Mac Power Users, episode 318, backing up. Welcome back to another episode of the Mac Power Users podcast. I'm Katie Floyd alongside David Sparks. Hey, David. Hey, Katie Floyd. How are you today? I'm great. I, you came back after uh, that last episode. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I, I had Mike there as a protection. Yeah. All like, right. It was kind of funny because we, um, Mike and I were on the phone together when I was thinking about getting that second iPad. And I said, you know, Katie is just going to love me for, for doing this. I'm sure of it. <laughs> and uh, and I, I really didn't tell you until we got on the show because I just felt like it would be more dramatic. Well, and I actually, uh, I don't know if you noticed, I, I had Mark uh, edit a little bit of the reaction out because I thought it got on the, the verge of something that some people would complain about. <laughs> I thought you took it like a champ. I mean, yeah. you actually were really cool about it. But, you know, everybody, uh, you know, I always say it, everybody chooses their own poison. I, I don't know if I mentioned it on the show, but I, I used to have this client that would buy all these fancy cars and I could never understand why you would need five cars. And, you know, now I got two iPads, so I kind of understand that a little bit. Anyway, um, we uh, it's time for us to talk about backup. It's been years. We kind of stayed away from backup because when we started the show, it felt like every other episode we we would rant on about it. But but backup's really important, and it has changed quite a bit since the last time we really talked about it. And putting together the outline for the show, we were both talking about how much differently we're doing backup than we used to. So I'm really looking forward to kind of getting into the dirty details of backup and hopefully the listeners can pick up a few tips and, and get on a regimen. One of the things I really like about this outline is we took on some of the common problems, like what happens, what do you do with family members that, that don't care about backup, but you know, they need to, and, and some things like that. We took on some issues at the end of the outline that are going to be great. Before right. we do, before oh, we do though, I have a mea culpa. Yes. I, I, I have sinned. Uh, so I, I published episode 317 and, and I we, thought I did everything right. Somehow I did not. Because yeah. Some, there's a reason we don't let you do this that often. Well, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's the problem is I don't do it often enough, but yeah, the, we're um, going to change that. Um, but either way, um, it, it came out fine for me, but uh, several of our listeners did not get 317. They got the, the prior week's episode. And, um, uh, so if that was you and last week you heard us talking about, um, uh, what was 316? Oh, it was, it was security. security. Yeah. It's so good. Stream, you probably needed to listen to it again. Yeah. But you, there's a, there is a, there is something special for you. I want you to go in your podcast listener of choice and redownload the episode and you'll get 317, which is uh, Mike and I talking about our dual iPads and breaking the news to Katie live online, which and was kind of fun. Katie slowly dying. Yeah. So you're in for a treat. You get two if that happened. And it's it's entirely my fault, even though I'm not exactly sure how I screwed it up. I'm figuring it out now. <laughs> um, OK, so that uh, mea culpa check. Uh, let's get back to backup. So so why are we talking about backup again, Katie? Well, I think it's it's gained. Uh, backup has always been important um, because, you know, there's that famous saying there, there are two types of hard drives in this world. Those that have died and those that will drop, die. Yeah. And um but backup is even more important now because, you know, we were talking about security. We're talking about there being more threats online, especially for Mac users. Mac users are becoming targeted more often. We had this latest issue of Mac malware. So it seems like we have to protect ourselves from a number of issues now. We have to protect ourselves from hard drive failure, which has always been there. We have to protect us from ourselves, you know, accidentally deleting files or forgetting to restore files. We've, we've all been guilty of that. Um, and now we have to protect ourselves from bad guys. Because yeah, yeah, the bad guys are going after our backups now. Yeah, because when things go wrong, 
um, sometimes the best way to get things right again is just to nuke it all and restore from a backup. And you've got to make sure that, uh, number one, your backup's okay. And and number two, that it's got all your data on there. So there are a lot of things that a backup, a, a good backup can save your bacon. And sometimes, although having one backup is is certainly better than doing nothing, and we'll, we'll talk a little bit later in the episode about like you you mentioned, David, you know, you got these family, we're going to talk about like, if you totally want to be backed up, if you're the Mac power user, these are what this is what we do. And this is what we recommend, you know, but if you've also got the family member who's doing nothing right now, if you can only get them to do one thing, you know, what's kind of the best practices, and then where can you build from there? Yeah. Um, one of the nice overriding principles of backup, and I was looking for a source for this when I was working on this, I could not find it, but it's, maybe it's just one of these lore things of the internet. And uh, I'm sure a listener will know. And if you do, please send it in. Uh, but there's this concept of three, two, one on backups. And the idea is that you have three backups, you know, three copies of your data at all times. So this is kind of a minimum gateway. Like one backup is not enough because you never know when the backup is going to fail. So three copies of your data two designating two different media. So you maybe have one on hard drive and one on SSD or some of the optical media. Uh, that's another thing has changed since the last time we talked about that. There's actually some very interesting optical media archival solutions now. And uh, the one in the three, two, one is at least one offsite. And uh, to me, that's one of the most important elements of that three, two, one, because uh, a lot of listeners and we hear from them, they, you know, they write in when they have these, these terrible things happen where a thief breaks in and steals the computer and the backup, the only backup, which is sitting next to it or the house burns down or whatever. Um, so that one offside is real important too. So three, two, one is kind of a nice rule of thumb. And when you're talking to friends and family about this stuff, because we know that the Mac power users, listeners are all on the sharp end of the stick there. You know, they're the ones trying to get people to do this stuff. Uh, it's a very easy conversation to have three, two, one, you know, three copies of everything in two different medium and at least one offsite. And if, if people just can internalize that, that gives you a great frame of reference for starting backup. And we'll use that three, two, one, a couple times throughout the show. You know, I've never heard three, two, one before. That, that's a good tip. You haven't. No, uh, never, I, I, I think you where. made it up. I did not make it up. Yeah. I learned it somewhere. I don't know where, but, but I learned it somewhere. I, I have kind of these four, I call them my four rules or my four laws of backup. I don't know if have I talked about those on the show before. The law. Wow. The laws. I have four laws of backups. Okay. Right. Um, so, so for what they're worth, my first one is it must be automatic because if it's not automatic, you won't do it. So your backup has to be automatic. Uh, two is it must be redundant. And that kind of goes to your three, two, one. It's, you know, one backup is not a backup. It's better than nothing. But if that fails or if something happens, you don't have a backup. Um. Uh, three is one copy must be offsite, and yeah. uh, four is your backups must be tested regularly. Nice, that's a good one. I didn't talk about testing. Everybody, if you know anybody that has ever worked at an Apple store, ask them about backups because I feel like it's kind of like the combat pay of working for Apple when someone comes in and says, "Oh, um, my computer hard drive just died, and it had all of my wedding pictures on it," or it had all the pictures of my children from the age of zero through seven, or it had all of my college pictures. What do I do? And they have to explain to them that the hard drive is truly dead and those pictures are not coming back. And you know, that, that happens all the time because I too sit at the genius bar occasionally, if I'm getting a battery replaced or if I'm taking my machine in and I always make a point, I get there early and I sit and I wait my appointment and 
And I, I'm very observant of what's going on around at the Genius Bar. And I think every time that I've been there, there's been one of those. And maybe it's not always with a Mac. Sometimes it's with a, with a phone because I drop my phone. It's not packed up. And those are all my photos because that's where I take my photos. But yeah, I, I mean, every time I'm, I'm sitting at the Genius Bar, I, I overhear one of those conversations. That's heartbreaking. Yeah, you see these people crying, you know, it's just like, could you imagine losing all the pictures of your children? I mean, I just don't even know. You know, that's one of those things where my wife would probably. Can can you imagine going home and telling your spouse? She would change the locks. I mean, it would be, that'd be it, (laughs) you know, but the, uh, either way, we don't want that to be you. Uh, and we don't want to be your friends and family too. So we've got some great ideas here for backing up. And I think we start with the hard one, which is the Mac. Well, it's it's hard, but it's also where you have the most options. Yeah. Yeah. Um so let's talk a little bit about Apple's built-in option and that is that is Time Machine. And I when Apple introduced Time Machine, I was very excited about this because for the first time Apple really brought back up to the masses and they really made people aware that this is something that everybody can do. You just take a hard drive, and you plug it into your Mac and a dialog box is going to pop up saying, "Do you want to use this for your backup?" and and then you're done. And Time Machine, uh, you know, I'll jump ahead and give you a little preview, is not necessarily my favorite method of backup, but it's certainly a great place to start. And the fact that Apple has made this so easy, that they've built it in the operating system, that they've clearly devoted time and resources to this is is huge because it's, it's, it's again, it's backup for the masses. I think it's one of the most significant improvements Apple made to the operating system in the last, you know, 10 years. because. Right. It's just for the very reason I was just talking about all the people that lose all their pictures. I mean, they needed a simple system and we're going to have some more complex and more powerful, frankly, more powerful options as we go through the show outline. But for most people, I mean, this is a great starting place and it's like, it's my fee. You know, when someone gets a new Mac and they want me to come help them set it up, I tell them I will come. Uh, You just need to click on this link I'm sending you at Amazon and have that hard drive there when I arrive. Right. And it's like, a, I'm, I'm dead serious. I'm not going to show up and spend my time setting up your computer until you have at least one backup system. And the time machine, there's different flavors of time machines. So let's talk about the first one, the direct attached drive. And that, that's so easy. I mean, honestly, you hang it off the back. If you've got an iMac, you, you just plug it in the back and forget about it. You throw the switch and you're good to go. And um, it's not three, it's only two, you know, of my three, two, one, um, methodology but it's a great start and and it's really nice when i explain it to people who aren't power users and i'm like okay see this little light so long as that light's on and that drive is spinning you've got at least one backup at all times of your machine and you can see kind of the relief because most people don't want to deal with it but they also understand the importance of it uh the second way that's mostly true i mean assuming that time machine's working yeah yeah but i mean it's but it will notify you now if you haven't backed up in so many days won't it yeah yeah, it does. And the um, and then the next way you deal with Time Machine is through um, Time Capsule, and that solved the big problem. I mean, when Time Machine first came out, and we even talked about on the show, what do you do with the person that has a laptop? Because you know, by their nature, they're mobile. They they don't have a drive plugged into it twenty four seven, and it's very easy to get them started with Time Machine, but for them to forget to plug it in, and and Time Machine will warn you and say it's been a long time since you backed up. But I always feel leery. Uh, 
you know, with a time machine solution for somebody that I know isn't going to be paying that close of attention. So Apple came out with time capsule and time capsule is basically a combined Apple um, base station plus a hard drive and, and storage device. Um, now you have used these in the past. You're not currently using one, correct? No, I've had a time capsule for years because um, primarily I, I use a laptop and then now I have multiple computers in my house. I have a, a laptop that's my primary machine, and then I have a, a Mac Mini for, you know, Plex and some other things. And um, so the time capsule made sense. I I will tell you that the time capsule is a little more flaky uh, in terms of reliability than the Direct Connect drives. So I yeah. think if anybody's just backing up one computer, especially if it's a desktop computer, going with the Direct Connect drive is a no-brainer. Just plug it in and, and forget about it. Yeah, but, it, it's it's superior in all ways except one. So so if you've got an iMac um, or if you've got a laptop that sits in the same place every day, um, direct, directly connecting a drive is cheaper, faster, more stable. You know, fewer things can go wrong with it, blah, blah, blah. Uh, the, the great thing about Time Capsule is that it is always available and doesn't need a, that's the only thing that's better about it is that you don't need a cable connected to a drive to make it work. So with my family, I have owned one. I am now in my second time capsule Mm -hmm. uh, about a year and a half ago. The one I had, you know, gave up the farm and I didn't really begrudge it. I think at that point it was about five years old or however old the time cat, because it was one of the very first ones. And so I bought a new one and it's great because my daughters have, there's two laptops. Actually, there's three laptops in my house. My wife and my two daughters each have a laptop and there's no way they're going to be really, you know, good about plugging in on a regular basis. So when I plug them into time machine, I know that's one of my backups for them. That's always happening. And it, it largely works. I use it also for my little MacBook. I don't have that directly connected for, um, for time machine for my iMac, I've got it connected uh, directly because I've got a Drobo that is connected directly to my Mac. It's not a network Drobo; it's a, just one that sits on the desk. And they've got a they've got a utility that partitions a piece of the drive for time machine, and I just back up to that. And the thing I like about that on the iMac is it's just so fast. So uh, time capsule works. It basically what you're doing is you're backing up to a secure disk image. Or it could be secure and secure, depending on if you check the little box for encryption, which I think you should. But it's backing up to a disk, sparse disk image. So that image is going to grow to accommodate the size of your of your backup. You can run into problems when multiple people are backing up to a single time capsule, and they're supposed to automatically delete things. But uh, sometimes it can run into... I found that it's not been as good as it should be in in automatically managing and allocating its its own storage. Uh, and sometimes you have a you have problem where you have to manually delete everybody's backups and and restart anew. So that can be a little bit annoying. Uh, the other thing that you can do, some network attached storage devices like the Drobo 5N, um, like the Synologies, and there may be others that I'm not aware of, but those are the two big ones that I'm aware of, will also support Time Machine. And they'll have their own implementation of that where you can go in, uh, create a share and dedicate a share to Time Machine. And I did this for a while in combination with a time capsule. I had a time capsule and I had uh, my Drobo both backing up as a time capsule. My computer doesn't know the difference. It doesn't know if it's backing up to an Apple time capsule or if it's backing up to a Drobo. But I personally found that the Drobo was a little bit faster. I think it was a little more reliable. And one of the things that I was able to do on the Drobo that has since resolved some of that 
conflict between two devices backing up to a single disk, although it still kind of is, is I created multiple shares or multiple volumes on the Drobo. I created one um, for my MacBook Air and a second one for my Mac Mini. And so one that backs up to one, one backs up to the other. And I haven't had any of that conflict since. I wonder if you could, on a time capsule, if you could partition, partition the it? drive yeah, and do the same thing. Uh, perhaps. It's been a while since I got in there and, and looked at it, but I don't think there's a ton of management that you can do with that drive because yeah. of the way it's formatted. But if you can, that might be a way to get around that. I can tell you that, you know, now we've got four laptops backing up to our time capsule and it's largely not a problem. My wife has a MacBook Pro. It's the original 13 inch MacBook Pro. Um, so I don't know what's it about three, four years old now. And the um, occasionally she gets the message that says it stopped backing up and I go in and I just give it a kick with the um, with the little utility and it it's it resumes that's the only that's the only machine on our network that occasionally stops backing up to the um time capsule but in in general it's been very great for me you know like my daughter lost a paper recently and i was able to be the hero and restore it from the time capsule and she she had no idea that i was backing up her computer at all <laughs> i think it creeped her out a little bit well and let's talk about that i mean one of the benefits of time machine is is based in the name itself is that it allows you and goes to a go back in time uh not really, but as Apple says, to recover files from a previous state. So your your time capsule or your time machine drive is going to be, if you keep it with the default settings, is going to be taking backups every hour, assuming your computer is plugged in and connected. And then those are going to get consolidated and then every day, and then those are going to get consolidated. And anyway, so you're going to have a snapshot of your computer at various points as it existed in those points. And Time Capsule is going to manage those so that they consolidate and you don't have every hour going back years, but it, it automatically consolidates them at the end of every day into a day snapshot and then weekly and, and so forth and so on. But if you accidentally deleted a paper or if you, well, let's just do that example. Your daughter accidentally deletes a paper and she doesn't realize it. She does it on Monday and she doesn't realize it until Wednesday. Well, she may have had two or three additional days worth of backups that happened. Well, yeah. you, you can go back, you can go into Time Machine and say, let me see how that computer existed, How the, go into that folder and say, let me see how this folder existed on Sunday, because I know the paper was there Sunday. All right, now and let me see it how is. it existed yeah. on Monday. And then you yeah. can take it and you can pull it back. And that history will go back for as much hard drive space as you have. So a general rule of thumb is you want to have at least double the hard drive space of your computer, and then preferably more, because hard drive space is cheap now. Yeah. And, and when you're buying, if you're buying a time capsule, they sell them. I think the one we have is three gigabytes and you know, it's fine. For Ter number terabytes. Of oh yeah. Terabytes. There you go. Yeah. Three gigabytes isn't going to, going to back up much. Yeah. So. Anymore. Right. <laughs> okay. But the, um, so you get, you know, get, get a sufficiently sized one and you're good. And that the ability to go back in time and pull copies is nice because the next type of backup we're going to talk about doesn't work that way. Every time you make a backup, it overwrites the old one uh, largely. And, you know, if you did that backup on Tuesday and you lost the file on Sunday, then the file is gone. Yeah. So it gives you kind of an extra level. So it's definitely, I think time machine is a, is a good starting place. It certainly qualifies as one of your three copies of your data. And it costs nothing because the software is there, except you've got to buy a hard drive. 
and uh and it's always been pretty reliable but i feel like the last year or two apple's really got it dialed into the point that um i rarely hear of people complaining about reliability problems with time machine or time capsule yeah and time machine is great for restoring individual files or a folder full of files you certainly can restore your entire system from time machine if you need to um, but it it does take a while. I mean, if you were in a situation where you had to replace a hard drive in a system and everything was gone, um, or a computer was lost or stolen, and you, and you had to restore that entire computer, um, it, it's a little bit of a, a process to restore from a time machine backup. You're going to have to basically um, reinstall the OS on the operating system, and then as part of that restore process, it will ask you, do you want to recover data from a backup? Yeah, and then and you plug you- in your time machine. A lot of work has been done at Apple to make these backups the kind where you can just plug in a naked brand new computer and it will turn it into your old computer. Um, Time Machine certainly is engineered to do that with some grinding. Um, I can tell you that I don't I just generally don't do that when I get a new computer. I try to start from scratch and, and even just getting the individual files off Time Machine can be kind of tedious, but they're there and you can get to them Uh, now. All that being said, uh, so I think we're both fans of Time Machine. Uh, as Mac Power users, we neither one of us, I think, would agree that I'm making this too complicated. Neither one of us would want this as our only backup. Correct. Yeah. And and frankly, you shouldn't either. Because number one, it's just one backup you need two. And um, uh, it's great for one of them. You need another one. And, and after the break, let's talk about another way to do backups that may be the second backup. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Smile Software's Text Expander. Text Expander is simply indispensable. Imagine never typing the same email address, chunk of code, brand messages, directions, or data more than once. Instead, store them in a snippet with a shortcut you create and automatically expand them with Text Expander. Text Expander can do so much more than that, though. It also has the ability to create fill in the blank snippets to customize common responses. Now you can share groups of snippets with others and expand your common knowledge and keep them current together. With the newest version of Text Expander, there are versions for the Mac, iPhone, iPad, and now Windows. If you're a Mac user at home and a Windows user at work, now you can share those snippets across both platforms. Just head over to the TextExpander.com website and sign up for the Windows beta. There's just so much you can do with Text Expander. I recommend you go over to the TextExpander.com slash MPU website and you can see all of the screencasts I recently produced for them. Those screencasts include everything from the basics to the nerdiest power tricks you could ever think of. As an example, one of the tricks I teach is how to create a snippet for an email message where you can put the subject line and the body of the message all with just one snippet. With this new version, TextExpander is now on a subscription model. They have subscriptions for businesses and even individuals, which they call Lifehacker subscriptions, which start at $40 a year and include all the apps for Text Expander on all the platforms. If you're an existing user, they have upgrade pricing for you that's discounted. With team subscriptions, you can run Text Expander for your entire team with organization-focused snippets and team management. This allows the managers to decide exactly what the snippets will contain when they go out on customer service or billing or wherever you're using snippets in your business. So head over to the brand new website, textexpander.com MPU, and check out all that's new with TextExpander, including the version for Windows. Thank you, Smile, for supporting the Mac Power users. Okay, so the second backup that we want to talk about is the clone backup, which is my personal 
favorite. Well, maybe not. Actually, it used to be my favorite. It may still be my favorite. I love them all, Katie. Oh, backups I guess so. so Do I have to choose from the backups? There's room like in my, my heart for all of them. <laughs> All right, but I do think I do see you as a clone backup. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a clone because you you love the idea of boom. I control it. It's here. I have it. You know, full access. And, and frankly, when restoring a computer for me, the clone backup is way more important than the time machine backup. If if I could only pick, well, see, there are pros and cons to all of these. Yeah. Um, but if I could only pick one backup to have, if I was restoring my computer, it would be a clone backup. Yeah, I think I would agree. Well, let's tell them what a clone backup is. Before we well, get into the merits. I mean, so there are these guys in the white suits and they all look exactly alike. <laughs> yeah. Except once in a while, there's a short one that saves a princess. And they're Boba Fett's um, uh, father, right? Daisy asked me, she said, do you think about Star Wars every morning when you wake up? And I said, no, but I think about it every day at some point. <laughs> so, but you know what? The thing in our house now, Hamilton. Have you heard about this Hamilton? I've heard Hamilton? about it. Yeah. It, my uh, family is crazy. They think about Hamilton way more than I think about Star Wars. Right. All right. Before we go off on a tangent, clone backups. So basically what a clone is, is it, it's exactly what it sounds like. It is, you take a hard drive, you plug it in your computer, you run one of these clone systems. The two that we like are Carbon Copy Cloner and Super Duper, and we've got links to both of those in the show notes. And those software programs are going to go through and they're going to make that hard drive that you plugged in identical to the hard drive that's in your Mac. Yeah. And they're even going to make it such that if you needed to, and your computer and your hard drive supports it, that you could actually boot your computer off of that hard drive. Yeah. So if you had to, if your computer went up in smoke and you went and bought a new one at the Apple store, you could plug it in. And actually, it's harder to say that now than it was years ago, because it depends on what connection type you have. But right. assuming you've got the right connection type, uh, you hold down the key combination. I believe it's the option key as you turn it on. And you'll be able to select to boot from that external drive. And um, it's just like running your computer, your old computer, because it's just a, an external hard drive. But slower. Um, yeah, oh, yeah, but slower because it's got to go over that copper wire to get things, get data. It's not like an SSD built in. Uh, so uh, there's two different apps for this. Um, I, I've always talked about SuperDuper. And to be honest, the reason is I like Super Duper is because I paid for it in like 2005 or something. And yeah, I, I think I paid for it like 2001 and I'm still using it. Yeah, they've never asked for an update, even though every time there's a new operating system update, the guys over there spend the time. Actually, I think it's, I think it's one. one guy. It's Darren. Yeah. And, um, um, and he, uh, he updates it for the most current operating system, which I know is a ton of work and it does the job. You know, it has some automation tools built in. So you just plug it in and you say, okay, you know, at 2 a.m. in the morning, run a clone onto this attached drive. Or when I plug in this one drive, please start up a clone. And when I'm done, please unplug it. Um, it, it does the job, you know, and it puts all the bits onto the drive. And we've talked about shelf drives or drawer drives, you know, where we have, we make a, a clone drive of our machines and we just put it aside for a while when we're doing like a system update or something. And it's just good to know that you've got a copy of all those files. Yeah, in fact, I run SuperDuper and Carbon Copy Cloner on my system because SuperDuper still has that awesome feature where whenever I plug in this drive, start backing up my machine, start cloning it. Yeah. Um, and I still do that very regularly because that's what my shelf drive is, is it's a plug it in and SuperDuper starts copying it. So Su SuperDuper has a couple of settings. Um, in fact, you can download it for free and the free setting, um, so anybody can go make a clone right now for free with SuperDuper. 
The yeah. free setting is it will erase all of the data on that drive and create a clone. Now, this is going to take a while, be, depending on the drive and depending on how much data you have. For me, it takes about an hour and a half, two hours to do a clone, maybe a little less yeah. now because things with USB 3. But um, but it's going to bit by bit copy over every bit of data from your computer to that hard drive. And so that's what SuperDuper will let you do for free. But you absolutely should pay him because doing that every night and spending two hours every night making a backup, and I do this every night, maybe you only want to do it once a week, is is tedious and time consuming. Once you pay him, it unlocks additional features and the best feature being the smart clone. So that takes it down from about two hours to about 15 minutes. And yeah. what it will do is it will go through and it will say, what files have changed? It will scan the the clone drive, it will scan your hard drive, and it will say, okay, well, you know what? Since the last time I've done this, really only two gigabytes of data has changed. So I only need to copy those files and it will only copy those files and you'll be done. And it'll do a compare. So it won't, and it does a solid job of it. I mean, I've been running the smart, uh, smart update for, yeah, for years and it just works. The, the, that free model is important because I think one of the things we want you to do listening to this is get the rest of your family or friends on board. And if you get them a time machine and you can get them to buy a second drive and super duper, they don't have to pay for the license, but you know, you know, just but plug this in every month or so, even just once a month, you know, and just back everything up. It, it's a really great kind of second low cost uh, way to do it. I was at Costco recently. I saw they had like, I think it was like two terabyte yeah, for a hundred bucks. You got two, two terabyte drives. It was, it was very cheap and it was way, way, you know, way enough to, to handle this for somebody. So for like a hundred dollars with no software purchase, you could have somebody with a really solid backup plan. Yeah. The other thing you get when you pay is you also get scheduling. So you can yeah. set up that it will back up. For example, mine backs up every night at 930. Yeah. Um, the, and um, that's my I, little way of saying, Katie, get off the computer at 930. I used to do that. And I have devolved a little bit because I have online backups and I have time machines and all these other things going on now where I don't uh, run a super duper every day. I run it once a week. And I just have mm -hmm. an OmniFocus repeating task and, you know, and it'll show up. I usually shows up for me on Sundays. And then like, I'm all, the thing is I'm always working. So I'm at my computer all the time, but I'll say, oh yeah, today's the super duper day. And I'll just pull it off the shelf, plug it into the back and then it runs and does its backup. And I'll, I always do it as I'm leaving the room. And uh, so once a week I manually do it. That's not probably ideal for a lot of people. Well, but, you just, you just said two things that are interesting. Um, one, as you said, you pull it off the shelf and plug it in. Yeah. And two, as you said, you only do it once a week. And so they're, they're pro cons to both of those. Now I, yeah. on the other hand, keep in mind, I have multiple backup methods, so I'm comfortable with this and I know you do too. So you're comfortable with your method, but I, on the other hand, by contrast, I have my back, my clone drive. You know, I, I talk about this little shelf that I've got under my desk with it, like stores, like USB hubs and hard drives and, and stuff. So I don't have to have it on top of the desk. Um, yeah. I've got my backup hard drive on that shelf, so I don't have to see it, but it is always plugged in to my computer. And that's good and bad. I mean, the good thing is that means that every night at 930, I don't have to think about it. I don't have to worry about it. I've got a clone and I know that my clone is no more um, than 40, uh, 24 hours out of date. The other problem is, is that if I ran into a problem and if I got some ransomware or something, it could be on that drive. Or if I ran into corruption and I didn't catch it right away, it could be on that backup drive too. And I, I risk losing that backup drive too. 
Yeah, so they're pro cons. That's the reason why I decided I just didn't want to leave it plugged in because I felt like I only want to have this plugged in the computer when I choose for it to be. And the other advantage for, for my method is that, uh, and once again, I know you have many backups, so it doesn't matter. But to me, this is, it's not my offsite, but it's kind of an offsite in terms of it's not obviously near the computer. When I say it's on the shelf, it's actually at a place in my house where if you search my house long enough, you would find it. But if you were just coming in grabbing all the stuff off the computer desk, you would not. And uh, so it, it feels like it's kind of a little bit more secure that way. Uh, yeah. But, you know, that's just the way I've chosen to do clones. Now, I have another use for Super Duper, and that's every time there's going to be an operating system update or I'm going to get a new computer or something. I have a separate drive that I keep for that purpose. And that's kind of like the almost like an archival clone. And and you'll keep that one because you just updated the operating system and you never know. Like I had one time where I lost my Hazel rules and I had fortunately had one of those kind of archival clones that had my old hazel rules and so you just want to have that data available to you in case something goes wrong right we haven't talked about carbon copy cloner though that's the other option that's the other option that's actually the one that i use more often than not and a lot of what we've been talking about with super duper is um, transferable to carbon copy cloner but two different programs carbon copy cloner is made by mike bombick i believe i'm pronouncing his name correctly Longtime Mac developer, I believe he actually worked for Apple for some period of time, um, but don't quote me on that. And uh, Carbon Copy Cloner, it's a little more expensive than Super Duper, and I have paid for upgrades a couple of times. But the thing that I like about Carbon Copy Cloner is it offers a little more flexibility and a few more options than Super Duper. Um, one of the things that I can do with Carbon Copy Cloner will mount and dismount drives, so it'll mount drives before the update and dismount them when it's done. I think Super Duper will do that to some extent. Uh, Carbon Copy Cloner also gives me the option to do what I'm calling verified backups. And so what that does is it will, you know, kind of do a bit by bit level backup. Now, I only do that once a week because, and I, I have it set to kick off at like 2 a.m. on a Saturday morning because that takes longer. But what it will do is we'll let you know if there's any file corruption, if there's a problem with a file, because it's actually going down to the to the bit bit level. Um, the other thing that it will do is it will send you some notifications. So you can trigger it to send you email notifications, especially if you've got these running like in the middle of the night sometime. Um, you can have it triggered to send you notifications if a backup fails. So there can be a notification in your inbox the next morning to let you know, hey, got a problem. The, the backup failed here. I, I'm curious about because you're running both of them. Do you have like different um, like schemes for each one or? So super duper, and there's probably a way to do this with Carbon Copy Cloner. I just haven't really dug into it yet. Super duper I use for my shelf drive, which basically yeah. says when I plug this in, start cloning. Yeah. And Carbon Copy Cloner I use for everything else. So I use that to do my daily clone, my weekly verified clone. Um, and we'll talk about a little bit later the uh, the backup of my Drobo, because it will also back up network drives. Yeah. Which I don't oh, know that super duper will do. Yeah, that is a good question because I don't know that it does that either. And that's something I, that's a problem I have a really goofy solution for. We can talk yeah. about later. Yeah. Carbon copy cloner also gives you the ability to create um, a recovery hard drive. You know how Apple has that recovery partition yeah. on the Macs. So yeah. carbon copy cloner will do that. So I have a recovery hard drive as well on my clone drive. And don't you have one on that little thumb drive you carry around too? I do. Yes. On my keychain. But you can so, never have okay. too many. If you ever see Katie and you have <laughs> your computer go down, just say, Katie, get over here. I need your keychain. <laughs> yeah. Always ready. Always ready, Katie Floyd. All right. Um, 
I think the next subject is one that has evolved a lot since the last time we talked about this, and that is the world of online backups. But before we do that, let's hear from our next sponsor. I want to take a moment and talk about our next sponsor, and that is Fracture. Fracture is a photo decor company that is out to rescue your favorite images from the digital ether. They take your photos and they print them directly onto glass and add a laser cut rigid backing. So they're there, they're ready to display right out of the box. They even include a wall anchor and screw. So all you need to do is screw it into the wall and you're done. Or you can post it up like a tripod. It's beautiful. You just upload your digital photo at fracture.me, pick your size, boom, they'll print it, they'll ship it, you're done. I love fractures. I have them all over my office. I have several at my home. And I have some of the big ones, the big square fractures in my office. I've got them of my Grand Canyon trip and my Alaska trip. These are the highlight of my office. When people come, they make great talking points. And they're just amazing. It's like you can reach out and touch the photos because the fracture process makes the color and contrast of your photo really pop. And the sleek, frameless design lets your photos stand out while matching any decorating style. You can bring a special memory to life or give it as a unique gift to decorate your home or your office with moments that tell your story. Like, this is the year of weddings for me. I have got three family weddings this summer. I've got bridal showers, bachelorette parties, all of those things. And you know what? Fracture is a big help for that because they make amazing gifts for people. You can either take one of their favorite photos and have them put on Fracture or give them a gift certificate. Fracture comes with a 60-day happiness guarantee, so your loved ones are sure to love their order. Each Fracture is handmade in Gainesville, Florida from U.S.-sourced materials at their carbon-neutral factory. You can learn more about how Fracture brings your photos to life at FractureMe.com, but please make sure that you mention that you heard about them on Mac Power users in their one-question survey at checkout, and it really helps support the show. I love my Fractures. I'm sure you will, too. They are an amazingly unique gift for anyone who loves digital photography or images. And really, who doesn't like getting a photo of themselves or their families from Fracture? And I'm sure you've got images that are just sitting in your digital camera or on your iPhone, rotting away. Wouldn't you really like to have those images put up on your wall? And with Fracture, you don't have to worry about getting a frame or getting a mat. Just have them fractured and they'll look great right out of the box and you can put them anywhere. So again, head over to fracture.me. Pick your photo, pick your size, and then when you go to check out, make sure you tell them you heard about them on Mac Power users, and we'd really appreciate it. Thanks to Fracture for their kind support of the show. So online backups, I think you and I both started uh, with one service. I at least now am with a different one. I don't know if you are not. Um, I, online backups may now be my favorite type of backup. I just said that before, didn't I? Yeah, you did actually. But but it may it may be online backups now. And again, it's because I love backups and you can't have too many. But I, I'm pretty sure you love them all. I mean, I think I, I do love them all. Um, but online backups are, are awesome. And you know what I love online backups for? I love online backups for my relatives. Did I tell you about that Christmas that everyone hated me because they all got Backblaze gift certificates? No, I did not. Oh, it was glorious. <laughs> you never told me that. Yes. Everybody got gift certificates for like two years of Backblaze. And they were oh, like, really? oh, thanks. You know that? Yeah, yeah I know. That that yeah. thing that you get? And I'm like, let me explain to you why you can't take this back. Here, Aunt, let me install it for you. Thank Katie the nerd. <laughs> I think it's a good gift, frankly. And, but, and by like, the way, you're going to get a real gift next year. And the year after that, you're going to get this again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, yeah. So a couple of things about backups is, um, 
um, you have to, I think you have to have or online backups in particular. There's some expectations you have to have. Um, uh, cause we heard from a lot of listeners cause we've, we've made no mystery of the fact that we we're playing the show and, and lots of people wrote in about online stuff. And I think, um, you have to accept that online backups uh, take a while, you know, that there's a slow start to those because you're uploading, uh, conceivably terabytes of data through your internet connection. So there's going to be uh, a little bit of time involved. Um, a lot of people wrote in about how they were unhappy with online systems for, uh, file, uh, for system restores, like thinking they could restore their entire system, kind of like a time machine restoration. Well, as hard as that is with time machine. Yeah. It was harder than with time machine. It's even harder with online. I mean, like, uh, file permissions and symbolic links, and there's just a bunch of stuff that gets busted when you cram it through the internet pipes. So, um, so I think that, you know, my kind of expectations is you should accept, expect that it's going to take a while when you get started. You should expect that these are really file restorations, not system restorations. And but, but to be clear, both of these services that we're going to talk about have an option where they will FedEx you a hard drive. Yeah. And I yeah. say FedEx, but I mean, it could be UPS. It could be whatever. They'll, yeah. they'll mail you a hard drive. Yeah. But it, the benefit is in my three, two, one theory, this is a great one. You know, it's a, it's an offsite backup. That's probably not even in the same state as you are. So, you know, if the big earthquake hits Southern California, I still have all my pictures, video and everything at a service. I'm using Backblaze to answer your question. Yeah. I'm using Backblaze too. And we all talk about disasters and catastrophes being the reason that you need online backup. And I think that kind of gives people a false sense of security because uh, we certainly hope that a disaster will never happen to somebody, but you can have a need for online backup for very common occurrences in your life. Um, one that can happen is is a theft. I mean, at some point, most of us will experience some kind of unfortunate theft, and that can be just your computer being stolen. Uh, the other thing that is probably much more common for me, although apparently not for you, David, uh, is that every couple of years we get struck by lightning or we have some kind of major power surge. And it's just kind of luck of the draw about what's going to get zapped. And when I was in Florida last August, I saw more lightning in five minutes than I've seen in my entire life. Yeah. So you, you, you understand this. <laughs> I totally understand Katie Floyd now. And, and after the lightning strikes, you throw away all your hard drives because you can never trust them again. Even well, if the they seem fine. In Florida, you may have a crocodile just come in your house and eat your, eat your hard drive yeah, too, that's, right? That's very possible as well. The crocodile. Crocodile will, or an alligator. Or an alligator. You, you have we'll them both. And, we have it's them not, both. It's not enough that you have one. They come in and eat your hard drive. That's, it, it ate the dog and the hard drive. Because the dog was carrying the hard drive. Probably. <laughs> um, so, so these online it's, services. It's, what I'm saying is it's purpose. not just for disasters. There's stuff yeah. that can happen that affects both your computer and whatever device may be plugged into it or sitting next to it or in your house. Well, the other bi- big benefit, as the, as the Floyd family learned a couple of Christmases ago, is that for people who generally have laptops and are not going to deal with time machine and stuff, it's actually a pretty good solution because it's always on and always going. Like when we got an account for my daughter on her laptop, when she started college, cause I knew she'd be, you know, they, they're growing up, they're out there. You know, you're not going to see them every day sometimes. And uh, it's nice to know that, you know, no matter where they are, if they're connected to the internet, that they're getting a backup. Well, and I think that this is great for college students. I think online backup in general is great for college students because the reality is, is they're not going to plug in. They're not going to plug into a hard drive. They're not going to do it. And I think it's great for less tech savvy family members, because here's the thing. They're not going to do their backups. And when there's a problem, it's going to become your problem. Yeah. 
So you bought those Christmas gifts really so you didn't have to deal with the... It was the gift that keeps on giving. It's yeah. my gift. Yeah. Well, it is kind of true when we're nerds. We take the blame when something goes wrong with technology. My marriage just barely survived family sharing. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Um, so the two services basically that we, we have used and recommend, uh, Backblaze and CrashPlan, and there's some pros and cons to both. Um, they're ballpark, they're about $5 a month and you can typically get them down to about $50 a year if you're willing to pay, um, annually, you know, for for an annual plan. Yeah. Um, but the big pros, and this is for, for all of them to offsite backup is we talked about, they're not necessarily susceptible to disaster. And we also mentioned this briefly on our security show, but they're likely going to be a little bit more secure from ransomware because they are going to keep your files for 30 days as well. So you're going to have that ability, or uh, at least Backblaze keeps them for 30 days. CrashPlan may keep them for longer. You're going to have that ability to go back and say, I need to restore this file from a point in time before this bad thing happened. Another benefit of these, uh, especially if you're you know kind of getting into using iPads more often and you want access to data is uh, they have apps. You know, and you can get in and pull down pieces of files. Uh, unlike, you know, this is kind of a new addition to this thing where it's kind of like an online resource. Right. Um, and, you know, all, I guess getting into the, the cons of it, well, we've talked a lot about the pros. It, yes, online backup is more expensive than the bring your own hard drive solution. You know, sure, with the, fi- the $50 you're going to spend in one year, you could buy a very good hard drive that will last you three or four years. Yeah. Um, and it does require reasonable internet connection. If you're on a, a a slow connection, if you don't have broadband, or if you're on a flaky connection, it, it's it's going to be pretty miserable using one of these solutions. I, I want to talk to TJ and find out if he's doing this because doesn't he? I think he gets like he gets like an allotment of like 17 bits a day or something. Uh, yeah, he's got like a weird satellite connection that yeah. that he can't do something with. Um, and the the other issue is it's if you have a ton of data to back up. It's going to take you a while to get up there. But I don't think that this is a huge problem for what I'll call normal people. Yeah, well, I mean, I guess normal depends where you live. But if you if you live somewhere where you've got a a decent cable Internet connection uh, and and it depends how much data you have. I remember when I first did it, it took like two months. Yeah, but you have a lot more data than most people do. Yeah. And I have one of the things about Backblaze is that they will back up an attached drive and I have a Drobo with terabytes on it. So I, I don't even I've lost track of how much data I put. I probably have four terabytes in Backblaze. Um, like every movie I've ever, you know, ripped is there, you know, and every all the music and everything. So it's great, but it's going to take a while and and just accept that. And just let it go and don't don't look at the menu bar thing, hide it or whatever. And just, you know, in a month or two, take a look and you'll find out that you're all backed up. Well, the idea is where are you going to be if you don't start? Now, yeah. th- that's one of the cons is although Backblaze will back up direct attached drives, uh, they will not back up network NAS drives, although CrashPlan will. Yeah. So and um, that, that's one of the reasons why you were a big fan of CrashPlan. CrashPlan, yeah. I, I liked it. The reason I like Backblaze, I like the app itself. It's very... I, yeah. Yeah, it's 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 well done, and it just seems more stable. But you know, that's I'm sure we're going to hear from people who love CrashPlan, and that's fine. Well, why don't you know? We've talked generally about some of the pros and cons. Let's let's dig in specifically. Let's talk about Backblaze, and then let's talk about CrashPlan with some of the specific pros and cons of of those services. Yeah. Um, and full disclosure, Back Backblaze uh, has been a sponsor. I don't know if they are this month or not, but not this particular show. Yeah. Um, one of the things you have to worry about with with Backblaze is that by default, they're going to exclude many types of drives, or excuse me, many types of files. So you want to go in and change this. 
Um, their default settings will exclude DMG files, which would skip any secure sparse image files or things like that. Yeah. Um, that's something you can change, but you need to know to go in and change it. Yeah. Or just make exceptions for specific sparse images. I mean, one of the things we've talked about in relation to security is on iOS, you can make your own secure sparse image with, with a password. And then you save that up to Backblaze or that up to Dropbox or somewhere. And it's, it's more secure. Right. Uh, but you've got to, you've got to provide for that by default. Backblaze will not get that. Right. Backblaze, as we mentioned, although it will, will back up direct connect drives, it will not back up network connected drives. So one of the things, and I'll talk about this a little bit later, is I actually back up my Drobo to a USB drive that's direct connected to my computer, and then Backblaze backs up that USB drive. Okay. And it's so it's like a belt and suspenders. So now I have a local backup of my Drobo and a cloud backup of my Drobo. So it it works for me, but it's it's kind of a, a workaround. Um, Backblaze also does not offer family plan pricing, whereas CrashPlan does. Yeah. Um, and, and, and on CrashPlan, that, that family sharing, explain what you were doing with that, because that's well, but really... Hey, let me finish real quick with Backblaze, and then we can yeah. move over to CrashPlan. So you might ask, well, why do we use Backblaze instead of CrashPlan? Well, David, you mentioned it. Backblaze has a native um, Mac app. It's it's not a Java thing. It's not, you know, it's it's a native app, Mac app by Apple developers. And I was using CrashPlan for a long time. I, you know, I think a lot of... Places will tell you that CrashPlan is actually probably the more versatile of the solutions. Um, but I started running into problems with them. I ran into problems where, you know, the backups were failing. I was having problems with things. Uh, and it just all came down to that darn Java app. And Well, yes. So I had it. It was spinning up some kind of cache file that was filling up my hard drive. Yes, mine did that too. And and it kept doing it over and over again. And it, it wasn't obvious that CrashPlan was the culprit. I finally figured it out. And... And I didn't have a good experience with customer service. And that this actually, you know, I get, you know, we have explained that Backblaze has sponsored our show. This was long before they were sponsored of our show. I actually switched over to them because this whole thing with the, the hard drive thing was just like, it took hours of my day to figure out. And I'm like, you know, I'll give you my money, but I won't give you my time. And maybe they've sorted it out since then, but I've since moved on. Yeah. So that's basically the reasons why I've switched to Backblaze as well. Um, but let's talk about crash plan a little bit. Anything else on backblaze? Are we good to, I think we're good. Okay. Uh, but explain a little bit. Cause I think that like that, if, if you can get crash plan working for you, you do have a good use case and that's that family sharing kind of. Yeah. Thing so with crash plan, and I was using this for a while is you don't, you actually don't have to pay them anything. You only have to pay them if you're going to use their crowd, uh, cloud rather, uh, crash plan has the ability to do peer to peer backups. So, David, if you had CrashPlan running on your computer and I had CrashPlan running on my computer, I could say, hey, well, back up my stuff to David's computer and let David back up his stuff to my computer. So we could kind of be each other's clown. And then they also worked with a couple of network attached storage devices. They've got like a Synology client and you can get it working on Drobo and that sometimes works and sometimes doesn't. But they've got the ability to do that. It, CrashPlan was incredibly versatile. So especially if you had like the kid away at college, you could put CrashPlan on their machine. And if you had like uh, a family server at home or you had the Mac mini at home or whatever that had this big hard drive attached to it, you know, you could have your kid off at college backing up to your family, you know, server for free. Yeah. Now you're using bandwidth, you're using both people's bandwidth, you know, both in and out that way. But if cost is more of a concern than bandwidth, you, you can do it. So it's, I, CrashPlan is definitely the most versatile of the backup apps and, and you can use it without a subscription and you can use it with multiple devices. Um, and they have a family plan. So even if you 
wanted to get your family on it, you can get multiple computers on it, more computers for less than just the five bucks a month by the time yeah. you even it out over computers. There is another solution, though. This is the uh, kind of the homebrew solution. And we heard from a lot of listeners that are, are fans, and that's ARC, A-R-Q. Um, ARC is a application. It's $50 application. You buy it. They've got versions for Mac and Windows. And it's kind of like a roll your own online backup app. And, you know, whereas CrashPlan and Backblaze come to you and say, look, we'll store the data for you. We have the servers. You know, we'll kind of do everything for you. Arc is a thing where you can say, okay, I've installed the software. Now I want to control the way my computer does an online backup. And you can save data to Amazon, Google, Dropbox, OneDrive. I mean, it's, it's quite versatile. In fact, one of the things we heard from some of the listeners as we were preparing for the show is listeners who bought a copy of Arc and they're using it to, to just do an online backup of essential data to like their Google Drive. And they're not using it as a whole disk online backup, but more of kind of like a, a sniper focused backup of certain data to some cloud and actually i'm doing that with my grandfather all right you have on arc yeah I have, I have him on arc and you oh, may okay. remember arc actually sponsors a couple of months ago as well um yeah. but my grandfather has very very little data very little data um i mean like less than 10 gigabytes worth of data yeah. on his machine and you know i was happy to pay black black blaze back blaze um but he also has a Google account. And, you know, Google, I think, will give you like 15 gigabytes of free storage. Yeah. And so I was like, well, you know, for the price of what it would cost me to do one of these services a year, I could I could get ARC for a one-time cost and just back up to this Google storage that he's not otherwise using. Yeah. So how, how was the experience for you? Uh, it was fine. It was, it was not quite as, um, I, I mean, their app is, is pretty easy and pretty customizable to use. I would say if you're a, a novice, it, you're going to find it a little more cumbersome than Backblaze. CrashPlan's a little more cumbersome, I think, than Backblaze, but I think Arc is a little more cumbersome than both of those. Um, certainly, if you're a Mac Power users, you're not going to have any problem with it at all. It's, so it's just nerdier. I mean, it is. It is. It is nerdier. So and I would good say and bad. You know, Arc, because... Arc is a great solution um, for a novice user if you're willing to set it up for them. But once it's set up, you can set it up and forget it. Yeah. And and when you look at the cost, it, it makes sense. I mean, like uh, I looked up a year of Amazon unlimited storage on Amazon storage uh, is $60, which is about what you'd pay for one of these other services, but you're adding the cost of ARC. And it gives you um, the ability to really, you know, it just allows you to fine tune what gets backed up because you're, you're making the machine that's doing it in essence and um, just a lot more control. Uh, we had a lot of listeners writing in in preparation for the show, singing the praises of ARC, talking about how they like the developers and they've been using it for years. Um, it's it's really great. Um, uh, one of the limitations that I that I could identify is uh, you can't have them send you a hard drive. You know, if you if you back up everything to Amazon and then your machine goes down and you need to rely on that online backup, you're going to have to just re-download it all. Which yeah, I guess in today's world, I don't know if it's that big of a deal, but it's going to be a lot of data coming through the pipe. Yeah, I mean it depends. I mean, if uh, a lot of the, I think a lot of, the, I think there are a couple of great use cases for Arc. One is if you don't have a lot of data, and so you don't want to pay this recurring fee, and you can get away with you know some of the free storage you can get from Google or OneDrive or one of those. And I think the other subset, and for those people doing a restore, may not be that big of a deal because you're not talking about that much data. But I think the other subset are people who really like to tweak and configure and have total control. Yeah. Yeah. 
So. And I would almost guess that you could probably have a little bit more privacy in the way you encrypt with ARC, although that I'm kind of just speculating. I'm sure we'll hear from people on that. Um, now, we didn't mention that. With Backblaze, I believe you can set your own password uh, yes. to your data. Yes, with Backblaze, you can set your own uh, encryption key. Yeah. Uh, not not password, encryption key. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, yes, of course you can set your own password, which you can yeah. with all these services. Yeah, but I you spoke. Yeah. yeah, but you can also set your own encryption key. Uh, and I've got this, and you can with CrashPlan as well. I do not know about ARC. Um, and so if somebody subpoenas well, by your, its nature, I would think you would because, well, no, I don't know that you would. You're right. Because you're using know. these other party services for storage. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but so if someone subpoenas your data off of Backblaze or, or CrashPlan and you've set this own encryption key, I presume that they would get this file that they could then not unlock. So depending so, on the level of you know, yeah. encryption used. Let's just take a minute and just look at the idea of online backup in general. Now that we're at 2016, I, I think years ago, I probably would have told you it may not be worth it because of the length of time. Cause, but then internet connections were slower and the costs were higher. Um, uh, where do you see the role of online backup today? Well, I think I kind of alluded to it in my laws. I think, I think it should be an essential part of everyone's backup Unless there's a very specific reason for you not to have it. Yeah. You know, like if, I, if, if you live in one of these places where you don't have great internet access um, or, you know, you're just, and we'll talk about the if you're only going to do one thing people later, but um, I, I think if you're only going to do two things, this should be one of the things. Yeah. I, cause I used to, cause I wasn't a big believer the first couple of times I'd try to use online backup. It didn't work for me. And this is really going back many years now. But And at the time, I would just buy a second hard drive and I would drive it over to a family member's house and leave it there. And that was my offsite. Um, I'm much happier with these online services as my offsite. It's it's more regular. It's automated. It costs a little bit more money, but really not that much more money. And um, Well, and it starts it, to cost more money, though, as you multiply it by family members. Yeah, And as you true. multiply it by devices. I mean, when you think about it, you've got a laptop and an iMac. And then you've got Daisy's laptop and then you've got two kids computers. I mean, you've got five computers in your house. I bet you don't yeah. have them all set up to online. Backup. In fact, I should, I should explain that. I have one account. Um, I had two for a while. I had my laptop and my iMac. And then I realized there is nothing on my laptop that is not also on my iMac. Uh, just the way I have data syncing. So there's no need to do it twice. So I only have one account. And then for my family, I don't have any of them. I have, uh, for them, I guess we'll talk about it later, but I have the, my backup regimen for them does not include online. And it's, it's solely a, a function of cost. I don't want to pay, you know, $50 a year times three every year. Well, and you're going to have to accept the consequences if you lose something. Well, well but no. I won't because I've got, you've got other things go- in place, right? Yeah, exactly. And one of the reasons that I, you know, notoriously gave out the Backblaze gift certificates for Christmas the other year was, you know, these are people, you live in the house with these people. It's easier to control, yeah. you know, their backups and to know you've got a system in place. These are people that I don't live with, but yet I'm expected to to take care of their devices and fix a problem. So, yeah, I get it. You know, here you go. And, and frankly, you don't have, it's cheaper than buying each one of them a time capsule, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which is would, would have been another way to solve that problem. Right. All right, let's let's take a break and then come back and talk about some other cloud service stuff and individual file backups on the Mac. This episode of the Mac Power Users is brought to you by Daylight. 
Daylight is a business productivity app for the Mac, the iPhone, and the iPad. Daylight is a beautiful native app on both the iPhone, iPad, and the Mac, so you don't need an internet connection to use it. When you do get an internet connection, however, it syncs in the cloud across all of your devices and with all of your team. Daylight is a complete solution. It organizes your contacts, calendars, tasks, notes, emails, projects, and new business opportunities all in one application. It becomes the hub where everything is organized and linked together so you can save time and can quickly find anything you need. Daylight also integrates with Apple Mail so you can save emails to clients, update contact information, schedule appointments, and set reminders right from the email itself. You can tag emails, link them to projects, or delegate tasks to other people on your team from an email. You save time because instead of switching between apps to check your calendar or write something on your to-do list, it's all done within mail. Daylight is ideal for consultants, lawyers, real estate agents, photographers, designers, salespeople, basically anyone that needs to manage clients and projects, especially on a team. Daylight helps you remember when to follow up, helps you segment clients for various marketing campaigns, and simplifies tracked projects and sales opportunities with pipelines. It also helps teams share schedules, tasks, and client communications without having to check for updates. For solopreneurs and teams, Daylight is the backbone of their business. As Chris Tossel, a consultant in the UK, puts it, Daylight creates order out of what would otherwise be chaos. One of the reasons we love using our Macs, iPads, and iPhones is because of the great user interface experience Apple has created. Daylight is the application that allows you to have the power of the cloud and the beauty of a native application. If you're in a small team or even working by yourself and you need to manage a lot of different types of data, check out Daylight. Since we've started running ads for Daylight, we've heard from a lot of listeners who are new users of Daylight or longtime listeners of Daylight, and they all agree that it's a great tool for getting hard work done. So head over to marketcircle.com slash daylight, D-A-Y-L-I-T-E, and check it out. And let them know you heard about it on the Mac Power Users. So do we, you know, another thought is, are we over backing up? Do we still need to back up as much as we are? Or has this become less important in the age of cloud storage? I mean, you and I have been very careful to say in the past that cloud storage really isn't a backup. But we've also talked about, you know, if you're going to send a kid off to college, get them a Dropbox account and tell them to save all their files into that Dropbox account. Because although it's not technically a backup, it's better than nothing because their files are going to be saved. They're going to be synced to the cloud. They're going to have some ability to, to auto restore. Um, is backup less important now because we have these cloud services or do you think these cloud services are a backup? Uh, they are not a backup. And uh, I, I don't think it reduces the importance of a, of a traditional backup like we've been talking about on the show. I think it is nice that you can have this stuff in the cloud and on your computer at once. It, it does definitely give you an ability to restore. And that, that depends on the service. I mean, iCloud does not have an ability to um, go back and get prior versions. You know, it just has the current version, whereas Dropbox, if you delete something, you can actually go back and get a prior version of it. OneDrive, I believe, does versioning as well. Um, so it's very nice to have those things. And, and we have told the war stories in the past and I'm sure everybody listening probably has one too, about how some family member lost a file and they were able to get it back because they had it on Dropbox. So I, I think it's a great idea, but this does not count as one of your, um, your data copies in your three, two, one or Katie's four laws just doesn't count. That's all. 
Right. Um, but you should do it, you know, especially with the novices that, you know, are going to have a hard time doing backups. If you just tell them, you know, this is where you put your documents and you put it in Dropbox. You don't even have to tell them that you made an account for them. Honestly, <laughs> um, I've done that. I told that story. I, uh, I still get great Christmas gifts from my niece who I saved her master's paper without her even knowing it by putting it in Dropbox. Well, um, you know, I've, I do that. I mean, that was one of my, I talked about this in our back to school episode. And, and by the way, everybody think good thoughts for me because on the day this episode releases, I'm taking my final, final exam of my master's program. So hopefully it's done soon. Amen. Uh, yeah. But that was one of the rules that when, with my master's program is that everything that I did had to sync up to a cloud service and I picked Dropbox but I've got a folder in Dropbox and every file, every lecture, every paper, everything is up in that Dropbox. Now, it's also getting backed up through all these various backup services as well. But it gives me the beauty of having it synced across all my devices, synced across my home computer and my work computer and uh, multiple servers on my on my iPads. And I don't I don't have to worry about it. Is is that paper? Wait, wait. Wait, there. you said on your iPads. Pads. I didn't mean that. that. You've got you it. To tell me. No, I don't need to tell you anything. <laughs> I meant iPads because I've had different iPads throughout these two years. Okay. But, yes. Just want to make sure. I only have one iPad. Yeah. Like a sane person. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I think it scratches a different itch. Um, you know, but just don't think of it as a backup, even though you can kind of put your um some of your family members on it as an extra little thing, but, but don't think of it as a backup and you'll be fine. Think about it as a backup and something's going to go wrong. You, you know, somebody will accidentally delete all of Dropbox and you'll lose your versions or something will just, something will go wrong and then you'll oh, be Oh, really that sad. happened. That happened to me, but not to me, but it happened to my dad before. Cause he, that's what he did is we did that and he stored everything in Dropbox and uh, the Dropbox, so he somehow deleted that folder. Oh, yeah. it was bad. But thank, thank goodness for the 30 day undo. Yeah, you were able to restore it. But, oh yeah, uh, I got I got one of those, you know, midnight phone calls, and I was just like, "Are oh, you got to be kidding me?" My and, wife does. Yeah, my wife does social media for a couple of crafting companies. That's one of her little things, and um, and they used a shared Dropbox with one of the companies, and one of the uh, one of the people in the shared Dropbox deleted a bunch of data, but it was kind of buried, and nobody realized it for like three or four months, and it was it was actually really bad. Well, and that's a problem with some of these cloud services, particularly Dropbox, is you got to be aware that people have the ability to take things out of the Dropbox and then you may not have access to it anymore either. I, I saved the day on that one with Time Machine. There, that, and that's, again, the importance of backups. Yeah. So. Well, let's talk a little bit about um, data archiving because archiving is very different than backup. Yeah. Um, I think of archive more as, as cold storage. It's stuff that I'm not actively using. And it's kind of, I like to to have a backup there that's a couple of months old, something that I haven't touched in a long time. Um, and, and this has saved my bacon. Um, just recently, I think I told the story on a Mac Power users where, you know, over the summer I was having all these issues with my Mac. I was constantly deleting and restoring files. And at some point, I don't know when, um, I forgot to restore a single sparse image, which happens to be that sparse image that I store all of my tax and financial data in. And did not realize it for months uh, because I, I don't access it except around tax time. And the only thing that saved me and was able to allow me to recover that data because it had been more than 30 days, the time machine was gone, yeah. uh, the clone was gone. The only thing that allowed me to restore that data is I had made a, uh, before all of this started, before I took my computer in the very first time, 
I made a backup of my home folder, which you can do with super duper carbon 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 copy cloner. I made a backup of my home folder to a sparse image and stuck it on my Drobo. And I do that every now and again. Yeah, that's one of those things when you find the when you find the one copy of it, you take a deep breath and pour a drink. You say thank you, past self. Yeah. Yeah. So archiving, it, it is kind of different. Like for instance, my super duper is something in between a backup and an archive, you know, in a way it's an arc, it's a temporary archive. It's, only well, it's good a for, week old archive. I don't think yeah. I'd call that an archive, but the, um, but you know, how do you archive the data? The one way to do it is just to do a super duper or carbon copy cloner uh, image and stick it somewhere, you know, deep in the uh, archives of your home, not to use the word archive too much. Uh, but the, uh, another way you can do it is like individual file backups onto media, uh, there's a great app called Chronosync, and uh, we've recommended this before. I think this goes way back to old catalog Mac Power users, but this is another one I bought the license for like 10-something years ago, and they keep updating, and it, it's great. It doesn't work like a traditional backup app. It really is an archive app where you can say, I have a source folder, and I have a destination folder, and I want you to move everything from one side to the other, unless I've already done it, then you just copy what's new. And it's a great little utility for creating these types of archives. Yeah. Do you use Chronosync? I do. You just, I do yeah, use okay. Chronosync. It's one of those things that I think once you pay for it, it gives you lifetime upgrades, which is yeah. wonderful. Um, and you can also, I use Chronosync for like selectively backing up files. Um, yeah. And I use my Drobo for quite a bit of data archive. In fact, I have a, I have a volume on my Drobo that's called uh, archive, which is nothing but cold storage. And on that lives um, you know, I've got a couple of uh, disk images of my home folder because those are the most important things. I've got yeah. backups of other people's computers. So whenever someone's computer comes to my house for a little work or a little update, uh, yeah. it gets cloned to the Drobo archive. And yeah. that has saved people's bacon before because I was like, oh, you know what? My my dad dropped his computer and the hard drive uh, had an issue and um, he didn't have a great backup. But that backup was several months old, but it was better than nothing. Yeah. Uh, so archive should be part of this. I think it's outside of the three, two, one or the four laws of Katie, right? It's just, it's, you know, why not have your data? These the storage devices are increasingly cheaper. Uh, a good question though, is what is the appropriate archive media? You know, what do you put it on? You know, I, I think that's a, a, a moving target because I, I don't like backing it up to, um, to optical media anymore. And and I know we have at least one listener that will write in and, and tell us that we should, because I've had issues with, with DVDs and CDs and optical media uh, failing after some period of time, especially yeah, they call it bit rot. Yeah. It just, it sometimes has... they go bad. Um, there's a couple options that Blu-rays are starting to get, you know, um, some traction. I'll put a link in the show notes of a wired article where Sony's using Blu-ray for data centers. And there's a new uh, type of disc called M-Disc, M-Disc. And it is, um, it looks like an optical drive, but it actually has stone inside of it. I mean, it's just a trippy article. We'll put it in our website. We'll put it in. I have not used one. I don't know if they work. But according to, you know, the the stuff they're saying on the website, it's used by NASA, Sony, and like some of these big companies. And they view it as a true archive media. Yeah, I, I want to caution people, though, 
not only about media degradation, but also about obsolescence. Because how many of us have the ability to read floppy disk anymore? Yeah. Or how many of us have our data on zip drives? Yeah. Or what was Apple's format that they had for a while? Was it a super disk? Yeah. I we'll have to ask Stephen Hackett like, about that. like little eight tracks. <laughs> yeah. And then I know a lot of businesses were doing tape backups. Yeah. Well, do you still have, I mean, do you still have the ability to read that? Yeah. Um, well, it, it, there's just, there's just a hard, whole. Hard drives have been around for a long time. Yeah. But hard drives go bad, especially when they don't get spun up regularly. Well, I mean, you put a hard drive on a shelf for a year and you come back and it may work. It may not work. Well, you know, but that's, it, that's why I'm archiving everything onto my Drobo now. And then I'm backing up my Drobo because that's got, that stays spun up and it stays backed up and it goes to the cloud. So that's, I, that's kind of my solution for archive. I think one of the realizations of all this is that there really isn't an ideal archive media yet. And it, it's a, it's a good time for someone to come up with one, but there's, it's just not there yet. And, um, and no matter which one you use, you need to be aware of the potential bit rot or the potential of the hard disk just not turning back on. Um, SSDs, I don't know. They're so expensive. I don't know that it, it makes sense as an archival drive. But as they do become more cost efficient, is that an appropriate media for archive? I don't know to, You know if they have bit rot on an SSD. Uh, so I don't think there's a real easy solution for this, except that if you're going to be archiving files, I think you need to give yourself a task once a year to get at least once a year to, to check those archives out and make sure they're still working. And, and as the, like, as the hard drives are getting older, you know, get a new archival hard drive and transfer the data to that new one. Cause you know, the, the hard drive at some point will not plug it. You'll plug it in and it will not turn on. Cause it's firewire or yeah, what, that's what, a whole nother or problem. SCSI or yeah. 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 But um, I, yeah, I, just I mean, threw out again, a bunch of old cables. I couldn't believe how many of those old, like, I mean, I had some really old, like, school cables, you know, parallel and stuff. <laughs> like, I, I, I have this, this whole stuff? list of projects that I've been accumulating. It's kind of like a someday maybe list um, yeah. for when I'm done with school. These are all the things that I'm going to do. And one of them is I've got like a 15 gallon Tupperware bin full yeah. of miscellaneous cables. <laughs> yeah. I, I had, um, I went through, I had like 20. Um, USB mini or micro cables just from various things that I'd bought or had been given to me. Yeah. I, when I, you need like five and then you're done. Yeah. I kept five and the rest of them went away. And I, I had, a, we had like a family thing. So I, I put a bin of like cables and stuff there. And I said, you guys can take whatever you want. And all the like nerds in my family just completely lost it. And they, they cleaned that thing. It was like, it was like the carrying crows. They just cleaned it down to the bone. There was nothing left. Oh, you know what? That's a great idea that I'll do it before my next uh, Mac user group meeting. And I'll just yes. take, I'll take the excess bin to the, the Mac user group meeting and say, take what you want. The rest is getting dumped. Yeah. yeah. You'll be surprised. There, there'll be very little left. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, let's take uh, one final break here and then uh, talk about iOS. Cause that's, that'll be a much quicker conversation because they're not all options. So this episode of Mac Power Users is brought to you by Squarespace, the simplest way for anyone to create a beautiful landing page, website, or online store. You can start building your website today at squarespace.com and enter code MPU at checkout to get 10% off your first purchase. 
Squarespace has easy-to-use tools and templates that help you capture every detail of what drives you. And Squarespace gives you all of the power, and they take away all of the pain points. You don't have to worry about hosting. You don't have to worry about scaling. Squarespace takes care of all of it, and you can just focus on building a site that looks professionally designed, regardless of your skill level, no coding required. You'll be easily able to make your website look and feel exactly how you want and Squarespace has state-of-the-art technology to power your site to ensure security and stability. They're trusted by millions of people across some of the most respected brands in the world, and their templates are just stunning to look at. They all feature responsive design to make sure that your site is going to look great on all sizes of device. And especially if you're in business, this is super important because more and more of your customers are looking at your sites on mobile devices, and you want to make sure that you have a mobile-friendly design with Squarespace you don't have to worry about it. It just works. But this is just getting started. Squarespace has a ton of awesome features like 24-7 support with live chat and email. They have teams located in New York, Dublin, and Portland that are there to help you. They have a commerce platform, which means anyone can add a store to their Squarespace site. And if you're looking for something simple, you can build a great-looking single-page website with their cover page feature. And of course, Squarespace is rock-solid they have fast hosting and so much more. And if you want to stretch Squarespace even further, you should definitely check out their dev platform that will let you dig in and tinker the code to your heart's content. I use Squarespace for my blog. We use Squarespace for my law firm's website. In fact, I got two compliments from clients today about how great our website looked. And I just said, yeah, I had our web designer put that together. We're really proud of it. And you know what? It was me on a weekend using Squarespace. How wonderful is that? You can sign up for them for a year. You'll also get a free domain name, allowing you to choose exactly what you want your site to be called. Squarespace plans start at just $8 a month, and you can start a free trial today with no credit card required. Just start building your own website over at squarespace.com. And when you decide to sign up and make sure you use the offer code MPU to get 10% off your first purchase and show your support for Mac Power users. So thanks to Squarespace for their support of Mac Power users and all of Relay FM. Okay, so you've got a fancy iPhone. How are you going to back it up? Well, you really have two options, and I personally think you should do both of them. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, one is everybody who has an iPhone has access to iCloud storage. I think you should definitely take advantage of that and get your free iCloud account. You get five whole gigabytes of storage, which sounds like yeah. a lot of data, but you know nowadays not, it really is not. Yeah. But it's a good place to start. It's better than nothing. Um, so definitely pause the podcast, grab every iPhone and iPad that you can find with an earshot and go into uh, settings and then go into iCloud and make sure that backup is turned on. And when you turn on backup on all of those devices, uh, what it will do is it will perform a backup uh, once every 24 hours. Uh, when the phone is plugged in and connected to a known Wi-Fi network. So the other thing you should do is make sure that the phone and iPad, and you'd be surprised how many are not, uh, is set to connect to the home Wi-Fi. And typically this happens at night because most people plug in their their iPhones and iPads at night at their home. Yeah, and when you do that, you're probably going to get a message on at least one or two of the devices saying, hey, you're out of space. And uh, particularly if you're taking a lot of pictures, because that's one of the things they back up. Now, you can go through and and turn off things like iCloud photo sharing will use a lot of data because you're putting all your photos on the cloud. Um, and you can turn off some of the stuff if you if you want to. Yeah, but didn't you just that tell down. that story about don't be that person who loses your photos? 
Yeah, no, I, 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 that, I have the butt is coming. Okay. You know, here comes the butt. You know, I, I spend, I think it's about 20 bucks a month between the whole family. You know, I, uh, several of them are on the $4 plan. You know, I think I'm on the $10 plan. So we've got like between all of us, we spend about 20 bucks a month to, to have the appropriate amount of storage for every person. And I've got a family of four and I am so happy to pay it because it's just really terrible if, if, you know, you know, an iPhone, you can drop it in the water or, you know, smash it on concrete or whatever. It, it is very likely at some point you're going to be restoring uh, an iPhone. And unlike the Mac where I want to start from scratch and then individually load data, I do like restoring these iOS devices. And it's just really nice knowing that anybody in your family has a problem. They're going to be able to get it restored. Yeah. And in many cases, you do need more storage. That's just the answer, is that you need more storage or you need to get the old stuff off there. Uh, but in some cases, you're just not using that storage efficiently. And what you can do to check that out is if you go into Settings, General, uh, Storage, and iCloud Usage, you can do two things there on your phone. Uh, one is you can see how the data on your phone is being used, and you may be able to clear some stuff off there. And the other is you can go in and you can manage your iCloud storage. And you can see, do you maybe have an old device backing or that has a backup stored on iCloud that maybe you don't have anymore? Maybe you had an old iPad that no longer needs to back up, but yet it's taking up two gigabytes worth of worth of iCloud backup. Yeah, that's um, a frequent violator, by the way. If you've get if you've had one or two phones, that you'll find that a good chunk of it's getting used on old devices that you don't even use anymore. Right. Um, and in fact, I just realized that my latest iPhone backup has ballooned to eight point seven gigabytes, and that's that's high for me. Um, because that typically doesn't include photos because my photos are backed up separately. So I can go in now and I can see, well, what is being backed up so large? What, why is that such a large backup? And you can go in and see exactly where that data is being used. Oh, is it that? Oh, it's, it's day one. Day one. But you know oh, what? Uh, day one all, already syncs to a cloud service, so I'm not so sure that I need to be backing up all my day one data again. I, I thought it was that letter you were writing to me about buying too many iPads. Yeah, that that's took what up it is. Like it's eight gigs. Yeah. <laughs> the um. So the uh. So I I do think iCloud is worth it. I know a lot of listeners don't. They don't want to spend extra money on it. But it just you know how much is your data worth to you? Um. So at least consider it. But another solution you have is you know you don't have to do iCloud backup or you can do iCloud backup plus this other option, which is iTunes backup. Oh, I, I definitely think it should be plus because yeah. you get a lot more with the iTunes backup. And this is something that you just want to set an OmniFocus reminder for or whatever your task management app of choice is. Yeah. So the way it works is you plug in your, um, your iOS device to your Mac, like an animal, like we used to do it with a cable. And, yeah. And then you can back up. You can, there's or an actually, option. I guess you don't need a cable anymore. It's better. It's uh, I, better with a cable. I would do it with a cable because <laughs> I don't know how long it would take. Yeah. Anyway, but I, I always do it with a cable and you can back it up. And this is the one place you can do it where you can make it a secure backup. And so when you restore, you actually get passwords back on your phone. When you restore via iCloud, you don't get your passwords back because it doesn't do that for you. Um, so it's really nice to have an iCloud backup running every night when you plug into the Wi-Fi, like Katie was talking about, but also once a month just to run a separate backup of the device and save it to your Mac. And this is just like we were talking about earlier, the belt and suspenders theory of backup, where if one thing goes bad, you've got another place to go. Absolutely. And and it doesn't cost you anything, but you got to have a Mac. All right, so we've we've teased it for a while. Um, let's let's talk about common backup problems. Um, we've talked about time delayed ransomware. I think what we saw with with transmission 
that had the ransomware issue a couple of months ago is people didn't know that they were infected with ransomware because it was set to time delay for, you know, three days. With yeah. me, that would be a problem because I do these daily clones. Uh, and if I didn't catch it, then it's going to be it's going to be on my clone. Now, I've got multiple other types of backups, so I still probably would be OK, but that would still be a pain. And for me, it would depend on when it arrived. If, if it arrived the day before I did my weekly um, um, backup to uh, uh, SuperDuper, then I'd be in trouble because it would it would get the ransomware on the SuperDuper backup. If it arrived the day after I did the SuperDuper, then I'd be OK. And um, one of the things that has me thinking is, you know, I so I have these these shelf drives, you know, the ones I use when I do a major backup of the system. I'm thinking, but, you know, when I'm not doing major backups, they just kind of sit around. And after, you know, a couple months, usually I'm fine. Uh, maybe I'll start putting those in the rotation and doing longer super duper increments, like a month or so. You know, I was I was just thinking the same thing uh, that maybe I should keep doing my daily backups, but take this shelf drive and and put it back in the rotation again after I've I know that I'm com- I've got that comfort level, you know, maybe then archive that to my Drobo. And then, you know, that backup that I did on the shelf drive before whatever event that prompted me to do it. And after some period of time, archive that to the Drobo, put it in cold storage for a while, and then bring that drive back into the rotation maybe once every two weeks or so. And the archive to the Drobo is what would save your bacon if you lost that that sparse image like you did. Right. Yeah. Because be on the Drobo. Good thought. Yeah, I think I think I may make some changes because of this to where I'll just have another one in the rotation that goes a little less frequently. Um, but the, you know, there's just always risks to this stuff. You could go crazy figuring this out. Um, another question we had a lot of people write and say, well, you know, what about photos and video? There's I no reason hard drive. Yeah. There's no reason why they shouldn't fit into your existing system. And when we talk about our backup systems, we're going to do that at the end of the show, which we're rapidly approaching. Uh, I'll, I'll talk about my mania for photos and video, but, but that you can at least have it in the three, two, one or Katie's four laws or whatever, but you can also, it's okay to have it in more places and nobody's going to blame you. So uh, we've got some ideas for that. Yeah. And then probably one of the biggest issues that I think deserves some consideration is we're geeks. And when you hear our backup regimes, you probably have something similar. No normal person is going to do this. I, I was at a, um, uh, Mac user group meeting a couple of months ago. And I always field the question and answer when I'm there. And, you know, backup is my wheelhouse. You can tell that I, this is a, t- a subject I'm very passionate about. And we had this lady who was this, this was her first meeting and she had just gotten her first Mac. And um, she'd had a, a couple of months and she was coming to our group because she was looking for some, some guidance on how to use it. And the subject of backup came up and she said she, she hadn't been backing up. She didn't think she needed to because this was a Mac. And that was one of the reasons she got a Mac is because it was supposed to be simple and happy and easy and all that other stuff. And, you know, I was about to delve into my um, backup spiel about all the, you know, the hour and a half podcast that we've just done on backups. And I realized there's absolutely no way there's, there's no way if I, if I start this, I'm going to totally lose this lady and she's never going to come back. She's going to stand up and walk out of the room. (laughs) And, and, and she's never going to do a backup ever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a lot of your friends and family are in that same same situation as well. So I've started asking the question of, you may not be able to convince them to do everything, but what if you could just convince them to do one thing? Because doing one thing isn't necessarily that hard. 
Um, and so it may not fit in with our four laws and it may not fit in with David's three, two, one strategy, but if you can just convince them to do one thing, that's absolutely better than nothing. So let's talk a little bit about if we could only recommend one thing for people, what would that be? And I think it differs a little based on the type of person. Yeah. There's some constraints there, but the, um, like, and it depends on what they're backing up. Like if they have an iMac, the one thing might be different than if they have a laptop. Well, so we can give some guidelines. I mean, so if, if they're a desktop computer user and their machine is primarily stationary, I would say the one thing that they should probably do is get a direct connect time machine drive. Yeah. Agreed. Um, I think on the yeah. other hand, and, and, but I mean, I would, I would really try to get two things. I'd say do that. And also now, now you're cheating. I know. Okay. I'll stop. But, but the one thing is probably time machine. Now laptop for me, the one thing would be an online backup account and it would be probably Backblaze because I'm familiar with it. I know they do a pretty good job and um, it gets out of the way. And that way, you know that they're going to be doing the backup even if they don't connect it. Right. And I think um, an, an offsite um, backup service is is great for people with, with mobile services. I think it's great for um, students who are out of the house. I, I think you just get them that and, and you just consider it uh, the cost of the computer as well. Yeah. But all that being said, I would really lobby for two things with each one of them. And it would be for a, a, a desktop, it would be probably a time machine plus a backblaze or plus a super duper clone. And then um, actually it would be the same two things really. Uh, if they had a laptop, I'd want them to try and get a little hard drive to do a, an attached time machine plus an online backup. Right. I think that's good advice, but start with one thing because the, yeah. the most important thing is you don't want to lose them. And, and I frankly tell them, explain to them, you know, what would you do if you lost all your pictures? I mean, just, I think that the sensitive spot for everybody is their media, you know, their, their pictures and their, the stuff that they could not replace and, and make them go there in their head about what would happen if this computer died, you know, where, how many pictures would you lose? And, and that's usually enough to motivate them to do something. And whether it's attaching a time machine drive to an iMac or paying 60 bucks a year or 50 bucks a year to one of these online services, I think you can motivate them sufficiently to do that. If you, if you take them to the place of wait, let's, let's talk about what's at stake here. All right. So that being said, let's uh, let's end this talking a little bit about our backup schemes. Yeah, I'm going to let you go last because looking at mine's going to take a while. You win. You win definitely. Mine is simplified. I think I started out with something more complex, like what you're doing. I'm running multiple machines, so uh, what I'm doing on the iMac is you know that's my main computer, and I've got a a, a Drobo attached to it. I also have a Drobo um, 5N. So I've got network and attached storage, plus I've got attached Drobo. Um, and so what I do is I have time machine saving to the Drobo that's attached to the Mac at all times. Um, I have a Chronosync script that I run that pushes some of my important data down to an archive folder on the Drobo 5N downstairs. And that takes a long time because it's pushing a lot of data over the network. Um, I've got a weekly um, um, super duper clone that I'm running, which is about to become probably two, like we talked about on the show. And then I've got other, like I've got, so Chronosync allows you to save like kind of like scripts of backups. And then, so I've got this collection of hard drives, you know, as you 
become a nerd. You, you collect hard drives. So I've got additional hard drives that I plug into uh, based on OmniFocus repeating tasks. And then I run these Chronosync scripts and they pull certain amounts of data off of the Drobo and off of the, the iMac and they save it to these hard drives that I basically squirrel away in my house like nuts. Um, uh, photos is a good example. I have probably four or five copies of my photos library around my house. And I also have photos copied to, um, to uh, some other offsite stuff. So, I mean, I'm just like, I'm so manic that at some point I would lose the pictures. So I'm really careful about that. Um, well, and you have your photos and photos, which is syncing up to Apple. Yeah, Spot. exactly. And, and I also have them on a transporter. So it's like, there's, there's like no end to it. And, um, so I, I, uh, I literally have lost track of how many copies of the photos library I have, and they aren't all, you know, it's not like I, I spend one day a week just making copies of all of them. They kind of rotate. So if things went really terribly and I'd have to go to one of my extra hard drives, I'd have to like, get them all out on the table and figure out which one had the most recent copy of the photos library. Um, but I don't mind it because all this stuff is done in a way that's not intrusive to my time. Like even the way I do super duper is like, it comes up on OmniFocus. I'm like, okay, I pull the drive out of its hiding place. I set it on the desk. The next time I decided to go downstairs and, um, work on my, my iPad or go out to meet a client or just go out in the backyard and water the plants, I just plug it in and then it gets copied. So I try to make the stuff, um, uh, not intrusive to my time, but at the same time, uh, repetitive enough that I've got copies everywhere for the rest of the family. Um, so, so I've got my iMac that I run, then there's four laptops, you know, I've got a little MacBook, and then each of my family members has their own laptop. All of them are backing up to, um, to the time capsule every day, every moment. And then I have uh, hard drives for each one of them that does a super duper. And it's another thing where, and I do for them, uh, twice a month. I don't do it every week. And it's the same thing. It's like, oh, today's Samantha's uh, laptop day. They know I just walk in the room. They hand it to me. Um, usually, like if we're watching TV <laughs> downstairs, I'll just because we have the other thing we have in our house is we have power plugs like in every corner. It's kind of weird, you know, <laughs> but over the years, we just kept all these adapters. So I plug it in, set up the kitchen table, um, plug in the super duper drive and make the super duper, then go put it back in the drawer. And that's the the two ways I back up every laptop in the house. I don't have them on uh, Backblaze accounts uh, just because it just seems to make sense for me to do this the way I'm doing it. Um, where, where am I missing? Oh, on all my iOS devices, I back them up every way I can. I pay extra to Apple to make sure I've got great online backups. I plug them into iTunes. And once again, I use OmniFocus again with repeating tasks to make sure all this gets done. Um, and I think that's about it. And the, the, you the, think the, mine's the, more complicated than that? Well, not really. I mean, for me, it's basically two two mediums, three backups for everything. The only the only wacky thing for me is that I've got these extra hard drives that I run these Chronosync scripts on, and they're named. So I plug it in, and it's like you know backup two, and then I go in Chronosync and I open the script for backup two, and it does it for me. Like all the field guide stuff gets backed up. I I I do have this like um desire to have extra copies of the stuff just kind of sprinkled around the house. I'm a data hoarder. I admit it. So my, uh, I've got a pretty regimented system that I've set up for a while. And again, even preparing for this show, I think I'm going to make a few little tweaks, but the big ones are, I do nightly clones with carbon copy cloner. I, I have that drive, as I said, plugged in all the time. And I think I'm going to now do a second one, maybe on an every two week rotation with that shelf hard drive. 
Um, I do Backblaze, which just runs all of the time on my my main machine. And then I have Time Machine to the bro, the, the, the Drobo, uh, and that backs up both my um, my MacBook Air and my Mac Mini. I don't back up my Mac Mini as much as I do uh, my MacBook Air because the Mini is really just serving things. It doesn't have a lot of data storage on it, so there's not much on there to actually back up. But it's more so that if I just wanted to quickly recover, I could. Um, a couple of things to mention about Time Machine that I don't know that we hit. Um, one is I use a utility called Time Machine Editor, and I put a link to that in the show notes. By default, Time Machine will back up every hour. If you think that's a little too much, or maybe you don't want it backing up quite that often because you're backing up over a network and it can take up some resources, um, Time Machine Editor is a utility that you can set Time Machine to back up uh, like every three hours. Um, or like on a schedule of when your computer is idle. So it gives you some more granular control over when Time Machine backups. Um, So that's a tool that you may want to consider using. Um, I also have my Time Machine and my clone backups are encrypted. The clone drives you can encrypt by right-clicking on a drive and tell it to encrypt, um, or you can encrypt it through uh, disk utility. And Time Machine drives can be encrypted uh, through the system preferences. And so I, I like having those backups encrypted because especially with clone backups, if they're not encrypted, and someone gets a hold of it, they've now got all your data. So you've just kind of undone all of your security that you put in yeah, place. By it's a little se- scary when you think about how much is on a clone drive. Yeah, by securing your system. So it is imperative that those clone drives be encrypted. I wish we had mentioned that earlier in the show for people who may not have st- stuck with us this long, but shame on them if they didn't. Yeah, shame on them. Yeah. Um, I do have that Go- shelf. Gold to the last minute. Yeah. I, I do have that shelf drive, which is basically that second clone drive that I use and I do that before there's any major software update or before or uh, before I'm going out of town. Basically, any time I suspect could be grounds for trouble, I'll use that second drive. And yeah. then um, I store my essential files in cloud storage, which is not technically a backup, but it's something that I do. Uh, my preferred file storage is is Dropbox. And then I also back up the Drobo. The Drobo is where I keep all of my archive data. And I like keeping all of my archive data on the Drobo because I don't like having all of these hard drives scurried around places. I mean, having the the clone drive is enough bat hard drives for me. And I'm just afraid of bit rot. I'm afraid of these hard drives going bad. I'm afraid of me not knowing on what's hard drive, what is on what hard drive. Having all of these drives in the Drobo, knowing that they're spun up, knowing that I'm going to get an alert if they go bad, um, just makes me feel better about it. So that's where I've consolidated all of my archives too. And I also yeah, back that I up. Should- I should have mentioned that. I mean, that I do the same. I have, uh, it's now feels like it's ancient. It's a USB 2, uh, I think it's a four terabyte Western digital drive I got on sale somewhere. Yeah. And once a month, I plug that in to my Mac and because my Drobo is attached to the Mac and I run a, run a Chronosync script that goes ahead and copies all of the data, you know, all the key data that I want copied uh, off of the Drobo onto that USB drive. And then I stick it somewhere. So, yeah. And I automate that weekly with a carbon copy cloner and it just does, I think it's like it again, uh, sometime in the middle of the night on a weekend, it will, it will do a, a weekly backup. Uh, it will mount the Drobo network attached or the network drive volume. And it will do that backup to that direct attached USB drive, which then I then tell it to keep that USB drive mounted so that Backblaze will back up what's on that drive. Now, t- oh, so that's your that's your workaround for that, getting everything on Backblaze. That's my workaround for getting everything on Backblaze. Now, back tell place. me, so is your um, I, I'm interested in because we're doing two different software for that. I'm using Chronosync. You're using Carbon Copy Cloner. Um, for the way I use Chronosync is I have designated a bunch of folders on the Drobo 
that I want backed up. And then I have them accompanying target folders on that USB drive. And it just runs a compare and copies all the new ones over. So it doesn't really take that long after you do it the first time. Um, what is, how is carbon copy cloner different than that? So uh, um, I think it's a little bit easier because I'm not having to run multiple scripts. And I don't know if you are having to either way. I mean, it's the same way of getting the same thing done. I've got my Drobo and the Drobo you can set up where you have multiple volumes on the Drobo. Yeah. So I have a volume for time machine. I have a volume that I call data where I keep all yeah. of my data. And so I back up my data volume to, to the USB drive. And so what Carbon Copy Cloner does is it looks at that data volume. And I've deselected a few specific folders that I don't need to back up. Yeah. Um, and it just does a compare also. It does a compare and a backup. Okay. So it's about the same. It's about the same, but instead of, it, it runs automatically. I don't know if, if um, Chronosync will do that. And it will automatically mount the Drobo drive for me. Yeah. I don't know. Chronosync has some automation stuff, but I the way I use it for that for that backup is I just plug it in and then open Chronosync and run it. Okay, well, um, you know what? We had a lot of new stuff about about backup, <laughs> so I'm glad we did it. Uh, but I'm sure we didn't cover everything. What should you do if you're listening to the show and you thought of, and you have a great idea about backup that we didn't share, Katie? If we haven't covered everything with backup in over on an hour and a half that we've been talking about it. Uh, you can email us feedback at MacPowerUsers.com or send us a comment via Twitter. You can use the hashtag AskMPU and that will put it in the queue for us to talk about for our follow-up show. You could also record a comment and send it in. That's kind of fun. And then you get to hear your voice on on the Power Users at some point. Yeah. And I appreciate it. A lot of you have sent in multiple audio comments. Um, just keep in mind that we typically only play one per person per, per weekly show. So if you send in multiple comments, you're probably only going to get one played. Yeah, but we, but we love that you're doing it. We appreciate honestly. that you're doing it, yeah. yeah. Um, otherwise, you can find links to everything that we talked about in the show notes at this episode at relay.fm slash MPU. Uh, and thanks to our sponsors this episode, Smile, Fracture, Daylight, and Squarespace. And we will see you all next week. Bye.